So welcome back, guys, to another episode of Anime Hub. Um, once again, I'm Mikhail, if you haven't gathered that already. And uh, Francisco is here, too. That's me. And uh, we're doing an episode. This episode's on Beastars. Uh, Beastars is an anime that came out in the fall of 2019, right before winter. It was one of those anime that kind of caught people by surprise because a lot of like it wasn't really mainstream, but it also wasn't like slept on. Like people knew about it, but a lot of people didn't know about it because it didn't hit American Netflix for a long time. In fact, I don't. I think it hit American Netflix really, really recently, like a few months ago. So it's still like kind of new in that regard, but it's also like slept on or almost slept on in the sense because it was like that. So it was locked behind Netflix jail so people can, didn't have easy access to it, especially those who don't have Netflix. Uh, but the people who know about it, they know about it. And they've like been investing in the story and they've been like really on it. So I ended up watching the anime when it came out, um, when it first came out. So I was a weekly watcher. Um, Francisco, on the other hand, ended up watching, finishing it up actually this last week, the first season, and he's currently reading it. I'm not reading it because I'm waiting for season two, which should actually be coming out very soon. So get hyped for that. But next year, it's confirmed 2021. I think it's in April or something. It's coming up soon. But yeah, so like definitely get hyped for that. But we wanted to do this episode more, one, because it kind of follows this Halloween theme. It's post-Halloween, but two, because the new Beastars trailer actually dropped this last week, we thought it would be a really cool idea or at the time of recording, it dropped um, in the first week of November. So we thought it'd be a really cool idea to talk about Beastars and why it's really good. Not only is it worth the watch, but why it's like fantastic in a lot of different ways and how it's kind of like almost a call to society today. So um, yeah, that's good. Do you have any answer uh, for intro? Yes, I looked it up January 5th or January 6th, Japan, Netflix. Uh simulcast in the series so you know expected in six months after then so for uh us netflix if we follow the same trends before it's gonna take a while i really like the animation though i was actually very much debating if i should even read it or not but i was working just now and i was in front of my pc and i didn't have anything so then i thought all right i'm gonna load up load up the mangoes and yeah I'm, I'm into it i think i'm gonna finish it it's like approximately 200 chapters the first season covered like around almost 50 chapters. It's like there's a lot of things within the manga. You see more of what the people are thinking, but I mean, that also happens within the uh, the um, show itself. But the show just has a flair going for it that I just can't describe. And I, and I really, really liked it, especially con- concerning um, Legosi. Is it Legoshi or Legosi? Legosi. Uh, I mean, he is the main character and he's there's a lot of stuff to say about him. I love it. I love how incomplete he is. My favorite kind of characters are incomplete characters. I think it's less incomplete and more that he's really humanistic. And it's humanistic to the point where it's like he's very self-conscious of his actions. Like one of there was a really interesting analysis that Forbes covered about Lugosi and his and his uh, characterization of toxic masculinity. So in the show a very prominent trait is this divide between the carnivores and the herbivores. The carnivores, specifically the male, are so are shown to be like very toxic, very like dominant, very masculine. Um, in fact, a lot of them brag about like their sexual achievements. 
they're a lot of them brag about like what like how strong they are etc cetera, etc cetera. um and it's shown and then Lugosi, even though he's like one he's the like literally only wolf in the show but two he's also like of carnivore he's shown to be the complete opposite in fact one could argue he's even more like self-conscious and kind of tears down this concept about toxic masculinity more than the like the herbivore males do and the herbivore males are really interesting too because they're like a lot of them are really like late like i don't say laid back but they're a lot more reserved in a lot of sense with the exception of the president the stag ant and antelope i forgot his name but he's like he's shown to be really shrewd really cunning um with his actions and what he does and you see that the herbivores they never really resort to violence nor do they talk about like their sexual achievements as openly or nor do they talk about how strong they are their their whole thing is a lot more it's almost like dainty and that's that's a weird way to describe it but they're a lot more like laid back so like Lugosi as a character is really interesting because he is the complete opposite of the carnivores and yet and he's a lot more like an herbivore than the herbivores really are and he's very like he's very self indulgent almost like he's very kept to himself he's very like uh quiet he kind of does his own thing he doesn't really listen to anyone um and he is scary he looks scary but he's not like in reality he is probably the sweetest character in all of these stars and having him as a protag i think is perfect because i think one of the biggest like divides in b stars is whole thing between the um the the carnivores and the herbivores and as as a forewarning as we get into this episode i think this episode touches on a lot of really really heavy political stuff and not only that it takes touches upon um some really like hard to listen to topics so for those who are not like into that like i i'm not saying i don't recommend it but this is a forewarning going forward in the episode i think that there's some stuff that does will get touched upon and in b stars itself like is addressed that like later like rape murder etc cetera, etc cetera. and this like whole like racial divide that really does get addressed in b stars um that is kind of important to note so for those who are not comfortable or not interested like this is just an fyi uh going forward in this specific episode so just a word of warning but um going back to my point about Lugosi. He's also like, there's also, you see that like racial divide, right? Between the carnivores and the herbivores. Car- carnivores representing, in my opinion, and this is why I say Beastars is in a, re- in a really big way, a call to society in a lot of regards. Um, this racial divide between uh, people of color and, and like that's what um, the, the, the carnivores represent in a sense, because they're driven by their instinct versus the herbivores, which represent non-POCs which could represent like their daintiness or the fact that they're like in a class above the others, which is weird because the president is a carnivore. But even if the president is a carnivore, we see that like there's a lot going on behind the scenes behind like just behind that too. So we're seeing that the car, the herbivores are almost victimized, but they're always, they're also shown as the one, the, the leaders, the ones at the top. So it's really interesting. And and like, you see that racial divide as well in the sense of like class systems. So like you see that the, like a lot of the herbivores are like 
fairly well off or like they're kind of like they get nicer treatment versus the carnivores and you have to be very careful around them and versus the carnivores are seen as lower class and like the result of their instinct they're not seen as like formal they're not seen as people who can like fit into society well etc etc so you definitely see that huge divide there which i think is a really important point to point out because it attributes to Lugosi's whole personality and how he's like trying to find his way into society while also falling in love with the herbivore. But on top of that, like not understanding, like, like trying to figure out this racial divide both outside, but also this internal conflict of who he is and like why being a carnivore is like wrong, like inside himself. Um, and you see that with his interaction with the panda in the middle of the season, which I think is really cool. That was a really good episode, by the way, when he talks to him and then he kind of understands like, oh my God, like this is really real. And like, I'm in this kind of society where I have to adapt. People will always look at me different because of it. At the beginning, we see he's very like reserved and he's like, yeah, like people are always going to treat me differently. It is what it is. But after he talks to the panda, you see a little bit of a flip and he's like, yeah, no, I can take control of my destiny. And I think one of like one of the driving factors, I think, in Beastars, especially with Lugosi and Haru, is this fact that both of them are trying to seek not only redemption, but it's almost like they're trying to build their own destinies above of the class and the race and the system that they're kind of brought into. You see that with Haru, where she's almost like driven by her instincts, right? She's like, even though she looks all pure, she's like an herbivore, she's all chilling. She's also like, she kind of pimps herself out and she like does some like questionable stuff in in the Beastar society where she sleeps around a lot and she's like seen as slutty. Um, and she sleeps with like other people's boyfriends. Uh, like that's, that's not in character with a lot of the herbivores and the herbivores are really disgusted by that. And you see that in the second or third episode where they knock her food down. She's like, yeah, like go away slut. Like we don't want to deal with you. Um, it's really important to note those distinctions and how like by the end of the first season, we kind of start seeing that both Haru and Lugosi are trying to break out of that which I think makes them really special characters and why they're like, why they're in my opinion, like Lugosi's not like the best pro tag, but Lugosi and Haru are really, really good character, like main characters in the show because we, we visibly see them kind of like work through that and throughout the season. And then by the end of the season, we see that they're trying, like they are facing their destiny and they're like, yo, like, damn, like this is how it is. Like this has like, I think they can see themselves like this has to change if we want to be together. And so like, obviously the implications in Beastars in the society, I would assume would be crazy. Like I haven't read ahead, so I don't really know what's going to happen. But I think that the fact that they're gaining self-realization or internal realization by the end of the first season, I think is really important. And it also highlights why they're really good main characters because they have that self-realization of like, yeah, society's fucked up. And we are like not like we are not similar to our race, and this is not how we are. Um, and so, in a lot of ways, um, Lugosi and Haru represent like individualization, which doesn't really exist in the world of B stars, because everyone is grouped into classes and categories and races, whereas Lugosi and Haru are attempting to break free of that. So, pretty cool. I want like a thirty-minute rant, but I was like. No, I thought that was that was fine. I I agree with you very. I mean, did you, did you mention 
Lagose wasn't a good protagonist, or did I misread it? No, no, I said he was a good protagonist. I, I think he's a really good protagonist. Yeah, me too, because I'm, I'm in the same page. Right? For a moment, I was thinking, wait, what? Then you mentioned, I, I love both of them, by the way. I love Haru's character. She's probably one of my top fairy characters, top 10. Legoshi too, I love his character. He's um very complex. Uh, in comparison to the other main lead, I mean, I, I can say there's approximately four, four characters from the school itself that are pretty important. You got Legoshi, you got Haru, you have Louis or Ruiz, however, that's the red beard dude. And then you have the uh, female wolf, which is uh, Juno, right? Those are, in my opinion, the four main characters when it comes to the school, ignoring the obvious killer that probably ignited the entire the entire story itself, which we still don't know by the end of the um, first season. Which is probably something that's going to play a bigger role in season two, considering one of the last scenes themselves was um, of the entire of the uh, first season was seeing things from the perspective of the uh, killer. Remember that, like, right at the end, close to the end. So that's going to be fun finding out who the hell that guy is or person, whoever it might be. Uh, what do you have to say about Lewis, the, the Red Deer? I think Lewis is an interesting character, right? I think um, I think Lewis kind of represents this character of, like, he's an, he's an herbivore, so he's, like, shown in a certain way. But then you also see that, like, the way he was raised, and then, like, on top of that, like, he was pretty much sold to slavery and then like but then he was adopted by a really really rich family and like his death like he's he's very wealthy and his like destiny is very shaped out but i think lewis is really interesting because he's very cunning he's very like tactical and it's he doesn't rely on his instincts like he i feel like he represents what the herbivores are to a, like a very true extent like he takes what the herbivores are and then it kind of really like shines like a flashlight on it so now you see all these traits of like cunning decisiveness not relying on instinct at all like he he makes it very obvious that he never relies on his instinct what he does rely on is like his intelligence his resourcefulness and stuff like that stuff that makes him like stand out of the bunch um so that's why i say he like stands out amongst the herbivores too for that reason because i feel like all the herbivores kind of possess those kind of qualities or that's what makes them herbivores they don't rely on instinct that's a very important note to highlight but lewis more so than everyone else because he has an image to uphold he has a lot of pressure from society because he's expected to be like he is a school president he's expected to run for like office or something they mention it and towards the end of the season like he has a lot going for him so it's really interesting to see like like the way he thinks and the way he works and then his interaction with Lugosi is also very interesting because he's the only herbivore other than maybe Haru who kind of like accepts him to some extent but not fully right like the only person who fully like accepts Lugosi is honestly Haru but even then it, there's still like some reservation um so the second person I would say that, or the second character, I would say that kind of like fits into that mold is uh, is uh, Lewis. So I think it's interesting, like seeing Lewis's and um, and uh, Legosi's interactions, because the way Lewis treats Legosi is like almost normal, but not quite. Because there's still that hesitation of you're still a carnivore, you're still relying on your instincts, and he looks down on him. And he continues to look down on him. 
he looks there are no carnivores purposefully, but he also envies every single carnivore for the part that they does because they have they're they're driven they're they have power that he'll never have, and like I think that's something he does mention, right? I believe it's like he have they have like the strength and they have like like they have the power to get what they want. So in a way, like it's really it's really I think it's really weird that he like envies this instinct, but also like shies away from it or looks down upon it to act like put himself above the rest so that's why that's again a big reason why i say i think lewis is like when you shine a light on the herbivores and you accentuate all their traits you kind of get lewis because i feel like he takes all of that to the next level and the next extreme all that like that superiority that like that need to be better than everyone else that need to look down on the carnivores the need to look down on instinctive instinct instinct um really interesting I didn't really get much of that from the list. I don't, I don't, they're mostly afraid of the carnivores. And it's interesting. Uh, let me, I don't know. Can we, let me rearrange my thoughts. So Lois definitely was, the, it's crazy how you mentioned that he looks down on instinct, but he was the one who suggested to Legoshi that why don't you use what was given to you more? You have it on you. So out of every herb, out of every herbivore, you mentioned that, you know, of course, like these carnivore instincts do, be, because one of the things of the carnivores, right, that makes it obvious it was from the initial inciting event is that they eat meat, right? That's just part of what they are. And unfortunately, this universe, um, their, their companions, the people they live with, they have the same sentience, are herbivores. And it goes back to the whole trophic levels, right? Carnivores. Just gen, just um, just how ecology works. There's going to be a ten percent difference in population amounts of carnivores to herbivores. So there's going to always be less carnivores. At least that's how our ecology system works. In comparison to herbivores, there's just going to be more herbivores. So the carnivores are the minority in this in this universe. But they they have all these diff all these different aspects that makes them physically intimidating. But which is which is crazy because I always thought, well, why don't you just add guns into the scenario and then <laughs> close to the end of the series, <laughs> the cozy, not the Koshi, um Lewis has a, has a straight up gun. I'm like, all right, well, I guess does it matter anymore? But you know, it's just, it, that, that that was that was just a offhanded thing that it just happened. You know, guns is just a sense, it's just a thing that exists here. But um, there's other traits that um that really define these people, and it comes down to like what they were born into. It comes down to how people see themselves and their body images and what kind of struggles they have to go to overcome them and accept who they are as a person. Especially Legoshi. That goes very, very deep with Legoshi. I remember closer to what Juno mentions that he saved this bunny out of, out of um, no selfish interest. And then Legoshi's just thinking, oh, yeah, that's like totally wrong, uh, which is hilarious. Another thing that I found was really funny was how um, she was trying to make a big showing. But because currently carnivores are really look are looked down upon like in shame for what they are, even though you know at the end of the day it's not it's not carnivores that defines them. It's like rather the person they are. So when in that in that whole candle lighting event, um, she was going off about saying like how great carnivores were. Like when she was in this head thinking about like yeah, you might say all this, but I know how how dangerous it is to just fall into your instincts because you could end up killing someone and that's that's just that you do not want to get into that situation or put yourself into that position mm -hmm. 
I definitely think it's, I think, I, I think Lagoshi's character kind of represents like what, like, I think, I think it's really incredible how Lagoshi's character is kind of driven to that, or more so like driven to be very independent of almost everyone. So you really, you really do feel like he's a main character, but you also see the conflict in him. And I remember in the first episode when he was like almost about to kill Haru. And he always regrets it. Haru knows. Um, this is a huge spoiler, by the way. But as usual, uh, like we have to talk about like what happens later. But so Haru does reveal she knows, and I think like the way that Lagosi's portrayed almost makes him feel like. I think that's why he's such a relatable character, and that's why I think I I I I, I generally believe that everyone who watches the show loves Lagosi. Because everyone sees themselves in him to some extent, right? Because he represents all that's like, almost like, he's such a pure character in a lot of ways. Like, sure, yeah, like in the first episode, we do see that he's driven by his instinct to some extent. But he, and he like actively tries to repress it constantly throughout the show. But it's like, it's like someone dealing with their inner demon, you know? Like everyone, everyone has their own problems and their own inner demons. So like seeing it in the forefront in terms of like that like car like that that almost like that almost like need or want to like kill uh to eat um that animalistic sense and the way that he he like almost like he has to actively just shut it down shut it down all the time but then like he's also trying to be like really calm quiet collected like he doesn't he's not aggressive at all he's super nice he's like he's just he just does his own thing like i think it's a very relatable thing to a lot of people and i think that's also what makes him such a brilliant character brilliant brilliantly brilliantly written character as well yeah, definitely i uh i i very much like legoshi in the whole fact that he's trying to come to terms with his birth effectively and what he is as a person it's really really um i find it very inspiring I mean, at the end of the day, he's trying to find out like who he is, right? Yeah. And Haru is down the same path. We haven't talked about Haru as much, and I'd like to talk about. I her. love Haru. <gasps> she's such a funny and strong character. <laughs> she's a really good character. I think she has a lot going for her. Um, I have a lot to say, but I'd like to hear what you have to say about her first. Oh yeah, that was. I guess what I want to say is that there was this time when one a friend, a uh, old high school friend of mine, I have an Instagram. He watches anime, right? And he made a post about Beastars. He said, very good show has a very weak protagonist. Oh, I can't believe he's so weak. And how could he fall for someone like Haru? And I thought, oh, I don't know. I like, like Haru. I just, I don't I, I'm not a big slush or anything. I, I think I think they're great. I love sluts. I think there was a song by Paul Burnham who wrote the, um, I love, I forget how it goes, but it's got such a good rhythm. If anyone knows the comedian Bo Burnham, and if you don't know, I would suggest look into him because he's, Really good at the stuff, and he once came to university. By the way, he might have not been here. I might have not been here. Yeah, he came. Unfortunately, I did not hit a show. But what he says in that song really resonates with um, my feelings on Haru herself. But then, in general, Haru is also a victim of bullying, which is crazy because she's a dwarf bunny. So she's so tiny, and she has such a hard time accepting that no matter what she does, before anything else, people are only going to see her as weak. Yet her character is the exact opposite of that. She's um, it's crazy. I I wouldn't be able to deal with the kind of bullying she does, and yet she's able to um, 
still to deal with it at an emotional level that I don't think I could ever reach. And her interactions with like what she really speaks volumes. The first time that um, they they met at the top of the terrace, because everyone knows that you know it's her by nature and something that um the author does a good job at is that their characters are defined by um their animal and what they represent. One of the yeah. things about bunny. Yeah, so like bunny sense to have a lot of children. Exactly. Yeah. White. Oh, it's it's I I love the contrast. And the fact that Legoshi is the only one that can actually see Haru for who she is. And not just a bunny, not just weak, but like it, like Haru, like Haru did the person Haru is um really speaks a lot to their relationship in general. Another thing about their relationship, which I found was very relatable, was like their situation when it came like for their first night interaction. It was so cute. Big fan of that. Ugh. Uh, I, I might have gotten off topic. We, uh, mm, what, what did you ask me? <laughs> you asked me for my opinions on how to write. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I'm not too sure if I might, if I might have gotten them all out there, but I just, I just really like the person that she is. Because I, because I know when I was younger, and I think my my friends and I had this conversation a while back, but we asked each other, "Hey, are you more misogynistic or are you more racist?" And we went throughout, right, and everyone, you know, gave the piece, and then afterwards we like. We um, evaluated if what what we how we saw them fit with how they saw themselves, and I gave myself misogynist over racist. I say because when I was younger, my mother is um she's a colorist and she's also uh, very she's a uh, more sexist than my old man, which is crazy. And she's I care what the other one. Well, she's yeah definitely misogynist. She has this whole thing because she's a uh, an American woman. Hispanic and they have this whole machismo thing and I guess it was just ingrained to her from culture which just bled into me and then my sisters obviously they notice it pretty quickly because whenever I return home she like treats me like a decent insane amount of um like gives me food all the time and she like makes sure I'm like okay which I hate because I, I generally don't like how she like picks plays favorites it goes back into this whole this whole misogynistic thing because uh, when I was younger I definitely did see lots in a different light I saw more like how my mom sees them like they're, they're like awful you should never a slot or anything like that. Nowadays, I like really respect just the whole. It's just if you go further beyond the slut thing, the whole sex working aspect of it. Does anyone who's able to just accept someone just like be with them for a night? That's I just I love it whenever I see movies, for example, the kind of theme going into their um, their films. And I just I just think it shows a very strong sense of character. And she's able to accept um, Legoshi for what he for you know what he is as well he might be like at this terrifying uh, lone wolf effectively hey that's another one lone wolf aspect that you were talking about like oh, she... that that's another thing that the author did which is obvious not that i'm actually considering i probably thought about it for but but it's so um, great that how to accept him for being just effectively how he's effectively a monster and the outward experience and other view of him i think uh, you mentioned that the that the pv the promotion video for season two shop and one of the narrators says something about like what can you do with your heart with your massive heart and like body of a, of a beast or monster which goes back to the fact that he's probably gonna end up finding out who killed him the apalco mm -hmm. but uh, that's my opinion on how to i love the characterization of like i don't think she's an i don't think it's not, you know, how I mentioned that my friend made a post about how can someone like fall in love with Haru should have more self-respect, which I 
very much disagree with. I think Otto is something you would love to just have as a friend, just like negotiating the relations that they have with like even over in a romantic case, that would be great. I do agree that Haru is, I think, the most unique character in all of Beastars because while Lugosi kind of represents like a lot of like what we are, especially like you bring up a really, I thought you brought up, bring up an interesting point when you talk about the misogynism. If you watching it from the perspective from like a straight male, um, at least for me, it was very different because like, obviously like I empathize a lot more with Lugosi than I did Haru. So like for me personally, like I didn't, like I couldn't connect to Haru as well. But like, if you take a step back and look at Haru from not only, only like a literary perspective almost, but like a characterization perspective and how she integrated into the story, she was written so well. And like just the way she was portrayed, first of all, she was a bunny, a bunny, easily considered one of the most defenseless animals in like the animal kingdom on top of that she's a white bunny they didn't make her a black bunny they make her a gray bunny they made her a white bunny they did it i know they did that intentionally and but then she's also like so there's this whole like thing of like white representing pure or like almost like untouchable right and so the fact that she does have she prostitutes herself out essentially to not only gain approval, but also she's looking for that like that kind of like love, that kind of approval, that kind of sense of like wanting meeting. I think from a literary perspective, it's like beautifully written because Lugosi's character almost perfectly goes with that. They, like they do make the perfect couple. And like as much as 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 weird as that sounds, especially with like two animals and you don't really like think about it, like by episode six or seven, you are like me personally, I was rooting for both of them. I really wanted them to get together, but not only that, because of the type of characters both of them are. And I think Haru fits Lugosi perfectly. I think she is Lugosi's opposite. I think Lugo like Lugosi is like weak and he's weak-minded. I don't think he's 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 not he's like very visibly strong, but like I I think like like mentally he's not as strong. He's not nearly as strong as Haru is, and he's like. And the reason I say he's weak is because he keeps doubting himself. He keeps thinking, what if I do this? What's going to happen? He keeps thinking about like the consequences of his actions. And he keeps thinking about what other people are going to say about him. Haru is the complete opposite. She's mentally easily the strongest person. I'm including Lewis in this. Easily the strongest person, bunny, whatever, um, character in the show. And not only that, she's also very mentally like aware. And she's very mentally confident. And so that's, I think that's, that's a very interesting trait to have. And so like, as I say, opposites attract. And so they do, in a lot of ways, make the perfect couple. But I'm getting a little sidetracked here. I do think Haru as well. I really appreciate the fact that she's a very, she was written just so, so well in terms of characterization, in terms of like her story, her narrative what she's been through and like what she's constantly going to keep going through. Um, and so I'm really excited to see where they take her because I think she, she was written so strongly that like she can really only like, they can either plateau and keep that or they can go up. Right. It can go down, but like, I think it's unlikely. Like her character has a really strong foundation. She's a really, really good pro tag. I have, I personally have no problem with her. I think her is one of the best characters in the show. 
because of the way she's portrayed, because be like B stars as a show kind of aims to take down this notion of like um promiscuous promiscuity, promiscuity as like a negative connotation. They aim to like tackle this whole issue. And then they kind of tackle, like you said, Francisco, about this whole misogyny aspect of like taking down like this idea of like misogyny, especially with like like oh like what can she do she's just a girl and th- in this case she's like a bunny right so like what can she do but she did a lot and she can continue to do a lot so it's interesting to see um how that they're really tackling that and the coolest part is francisco you also brought this up when you said in your culture um in latin america and south south american culture um a lot of it's a very male dominated culture and that, that that goes for i think most cultures all around the world i i i can i i can definitely speak for people from india on that one i can definitely i i i can't say definitely but i do know that people places like china japan korea are very male dominated asia as a whole is a very dom- male dominated continent and so it's really interesting that one this was created in japan like I would don't want to say specifically for a Japan Japanese audience, but like it was created in Japan as an anime. So that's a really important point to note. This is created in Asia in a male dominated environment and tackling this issue of promiscuity, of misogyny and like racism, which I think is really 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 cool and I think um, Haru kind of embodies all of those problems and she just tears them down, which is why I think she's a very strong character. And so I think her growth will be really interesting to see because like we saw that she was at the bottom of the barrel and now she's like climbing her way up, not only to self like she's finding respect on her, like of herself, but she's also learning to like take things for what they are. And then like, she's getting reality check upon reality check upon reality check. Now she's not living in this bubble. Like at the beginning, we saw that she was living in her garden. She was going through like a lot with all the other people, all the other herbivores. But, like, as the show continues, you see she gets, like, three different reality checks. Once with Lewis, like, another one when Lewis doesn't save her, but Lugosi does. The third one when the lion abducts her and then effectively, like, sexually assaults her. Those those three parts, I think, are really defining moments in Haru's character arc because they not only show the mental fortitude that she has, but also, like, the reality checks for Haru to make her realize like oh shit like this is really how it is and like I feel like she doesn't get that until those experiences happen and so I think by the end of the season she's starting to come to realize like I can't like I can't like make these distinctions because in the beginning in episode three she's she was uh uh to put it as bluntly as possible and I'm so sorry for my language she she does go down to um suck Legosi's dick and Legosi is like nah I'm not here for that I'm just here to see you and she was like and she says while she's doing that I've never been with a carnival before so like she in her head early on was making those lines those parallels and distinctions later on she starts I think she's that like through these events these three events that I outlined she's kind of starting to realize like yo like I have to make these separations and I have to realize that each per like each animal is their own animal um and so like like you mentioned the whole like bedroom scene why you thought that was cute i thought that was important i thought that was like really cool because like 
I think at that moment she was like, damn, like I'm seeing Lugosi for Lugosi. I'm not seeing him as a carnivore. And I believe she also mentioned that as well. Um, so it's it's definitely her character arc as a whole is really interesting, I think. And it's like it's very progressive in terms of like like how she like cha- has to change her thinking and how all these like events that occur around her kind of change her thinking. And then how like she kind of grows into this mold of like self-realization. She's like, my actions were my actions, but I'm gonna continue to be me. I think it's really important. So pretty cool. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I agree with what you're saying on that. I do want to add one more thing. You mentioned like three important like distinctions or like events, right? I want to mention one more event that she was the one who actually outlined it for me. It was her memory of watching the Goshi eat from a shitty restaurant, not a shitty restaurant, but from a, effectively the food that they got was pretty cheap or it was just restaurant food late at night. He was beat up and she had his shirt on and she was just eating the guy just say like, and she thought to herself, this is probably going to go down when I'm dying in my, in my deathbed. This is going to be one of the memories I'm going to have. That just really hit me because that that's just this is like a prime memory of hers, not a negative memory like most of the ones that you mentioned, but a memory of her seeing a carnivore, which everyone views with fear, and she's seeing this the guy who saved her, really beat up, eating ramen in the back alley. It's I personally I can actually see. Where how he's coming from? Because I have I have I have memories like that of specific people as well. It just stick with me, and I'm just thinking this this is like a defining moment for me. Is this is this is exactly kind of I didn't expect when I was born that I was gonna have be able to experience something like this, and I love that I can actually keep this keep this in my heart, which is a um, fantastic memory for Haru. And I guess it's something that Legoshi probably isn't even gonna think about. He's not gonna think when he's gonna be dying. That Haru in her in her heart, she's gonna remember this moment of of Legoshi. Because he no one can decide what someone thinks of, of themselves or another, right? It's it always goes back to themselves as the person. And something else that's interesting is that I personally subscribe to the belief that it would just probably goes ends up going back to Monogatari, which is another show that I really like. Something theme in Monogatari is that the you can't save anyone, the only one who can save someone is themselves. That doesn't mean you can't reach out and try to help someone. Or rather, if someone wants to be saved, they're going to do the effort to change something about themselves. In the case of Haru, for example, when she was ex- when in the moment you mentioned that she was about to be eaten by that gangster member from the Lion Group, I just accepted it, right? But you, it was a reflection of her, how strong her character was that right, right when she was about to be eating, that she decides that to be defined, which is her way of saving herself. That situation. She did think of the Goshi, right? But it was it, at the end of the day, it was her strength that got her up and got her to to resist just in time for the Goshi to come in there and just do what he wanted to do. And that's just make sure that she's safe. Another thing you mentioned that Legoshi, he's like weak-minded. I yeah, I I, I can't, I'm kind of with you, but at the same time, it's a thought, right? Because while he's weak-minded, he has some of the most strongest actions within the entire series. Which is very. Which I think it's the irony of the character, or the dual parallel of the character, which I like, right? Because yeah, like, sure. not. It's not that he's a weak character. It's just more that he is like mentally weak, which I think a lot of characters have. That he was pessimistic, while Juno, the other character that we haven't really spoken about, is optimistic. He will be pessimistic, so it doesn't matter if he's in the if he's in the light, 
in the dark. I think it was when he was when he was chasing Haru after she was running away, thinking that like she she doesn't deserve the right to be with Negoshi. And he was saying, if I would if I'm pessimistic, I would rather just be with you. It doesn't matter. Which speaks a lot. Um, another another theme when it comes to this this whole loner situation is that um, which goes back to like I think the Mandalorian is currently airing right, and one of the things about the Mandalorian is that it's the lone character. That um, character that you don't know the name of, it's like mysterious, pops into town and does his own thing. Um, Legoshi kind of reflects that mostly because, you know, he's a pretty introverted guy and he wants to live a quiet, simple life. So just like another character that me, many people are familiar with from Jojo Part 4. Uh, but um, like I was saying, right, one of the things about the lone character that's very appealing to people is that it's the um, what you do in dark that really defines the kind of person you are. And when it comes down to his actions, even if people won't see what happens, he still does them because he has a certain certain um, perception of himself that he needs to uphold to remain consistent and remain maintain his integrity. It's for example in the situation with many lone characters, for in this when they are introduced with a character like a child, for example, and instead of just abandoning them, they just take it upon themselves and they start to help them and raise them, which is a very it's a, it's a very common when these lone characters like effectively adopt someone because it helps a lot with the dynamic. I think in the Last of Us, they, um, the two, the dynamic is very uh, exemplified in, in that video game series. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, because I did write some notes here, um, it's, it's both Legoshi is a pessimistic character, right? But um, something insane about it is that he almost has, I, I never got the feeling that he would ever plateau. He just continues to grow as a character. That's what I meant when I was incomplete characters. It feels like he has almost an infinite potential to find who he is. I think that's I think that, that that shows because of his like personality and like again like like I mentioned before like the dual parallelism and whatnot. Also, I wanted to touch upon your Juno mention, dude. I think we don't talk about Juno enough. Juno is a you mentioned four characters that you want to really examine: Juno, Lewis, uh, Haru, and and Lugosi. We talked about Lugosi a lot. We talked about Haru a bunch. And we talked about Lewis a fair amount. But we didn't talk about Juno at all. And I want to touch upon Juno really quick. Because you mentioned the infinite potential kind of character, right? And then you mentioned... We also talked about how Haru like is mentally like the strongest character in the show. I think the second strongest character mentally is Juno. Hands down. And the reason I say that is because... There are like there's I, I I have like a few reasons, but I think a few reasons that come to mind at least for me are one, well, the way Juno's perceived, she's perceived as extremely pretty. Like but they, they mentioned to say for a carnivore, she's really pretty. Especially the herbivores, whenever they talk to her, they'll talk about her. They're like, for a carnivore, she's really pretty. And then all the carnivores find her extremely attractive. But she's also like a child. She's like 14. She's like a freshman in high school. And then on top of that, so like she's also seen as childish to some extent by her by her superiors in the drama club. So like you can see that in her eyes, right? Which I think is the the way that they portrayed portrayed her eyes. Now this might be getting a little specific, but her eyes are very almost childlike, right? They're like they're full of they're whenever like I saw her and like the way she like looked at Lagosi or whenever she looked at like like people she like liked, it was almost with like a lot of childlike innocence. But also, like, that hopefulness. I think it's kind of funny because I think Juno, Jun, one of Juno's missions is to create a better world for Carnival. 
carnivores so they can be praised instead of put down. Instead of being viewed as animals, they can be viewed as characters who can integrate into society well and like kind of break that herbivore carnivore duality that's happening right now. So she's like, she's easily the most hopeful character in the show. But the reason I say I think she's the second strongest is because she has an iron will. Like her will, I think, is like insane. She like she will go to any extent to do what she wants, get what she wants, and protect what she wants. We see that when she defends Lugosi. When she we see that when she like tries out for like the competitions and stuff, when she tries to get lead roles, we see those jealous looks. We see all of it. But I think she's just such a strong character because of the way like she really goes after what she wants. And like, I have a lot, like personally, I have a lot of respect for that, but more so like her goal is really, is really good. Like I, ideally, like, yeah, like obviously you'd want to, you want a world with like, you want to like put up the race that's being put down or like you want to like essentially abolish this like divide that's happening. So her intentions are all like pretty pure which stand by like the fact that she is still a 14 year old kid but so she hasn't seen the world completely but like she's also like her will and her like this quote-unquote iron will thing that i used i think that she has and like how with how driven she is like it'll be really interesting to see where her character goes because you have to keep in mind that she's the only other wolf in the show and she's female so again it's another female character that's just being written extremely well it's seeing it's showing how like a lot of the females in the show have been shown to be like very weak or like not like not as self-assured as like some of the male characters in the show i think juno kind of is the opposite of that and her name oh my god this is going this is going this might be a little like too much but juno is the counterpart of hera hera is zeus's wife so juno is in roman mythology juno is the goddess of war or the goddess of um, of uh, warning. So whenever the Romans would go into battle, they would pray to Juno because she was the herald. She was the she was the person who warned the Romans of like an incoming attack. Blah blah blah. She was their she was their moral spirit essentially. You also have Bellana, uh, Minerva, et cetera, et cetera. But that's that's besides the point. You did have other war goddesses, but Juno was a very warlike goddess who was very like. Like she warned the people of what's to come, but also she was like, she was like almost like the, in a weird way, the hope of Rome, right? She was like that person who was like always kind of, how do I put it? She was very warlike. And she also like, like, she was the one who incentivized the Romans to fight. She would tell, she would warn the Romans. She was like the warner, the singular. And in this case, I think it's funny because like her name is Juno. And like in the show, she's also like really hopeful. Like in the in the in the parts that she appears in, and like whenever she does appear and we see interactions, like we always see something happen. Like something happens, whether it be big or small, but something will always happen right after her like scene. So like maybe I am overanalyzing this, but her name is Juno, and then we see something happen right after, like she I, I to me she represents not only hope in the show but she also represents like the sense of like what's to come which is kind of crazy so i don't know i think it's kind of cool yeah definitely 
definitely feels like what I'm reading currently, Juno's going to have a bigger part. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be positive or not. I don't know. Uh, Juno's difficult for me because when I think of characters, it's like her, Haru, and it's like these women characters who are all mentally strong. But Juno, still, for some reason, in comparison to the other three leads, it's like her current understanding of how life functions and what she's trying to do has not been like she hasn't had an internal struggle with that yet as um the goal she has because the goal she mentions is that he understands the dangers that come from being a carnivore and what it means to fight against it for the betterment of uh, your your friends effectively and then lois over here effectively hates how he was born and his heart is entirely filled with hate which means i personally i like him the least out of the four leads that I mentioned, I think he's a good character, but I think that out of all of them, he might be the more simplistic one. He's complex, don't get me wrong, but like when you peel away all of the complexities that comes, it goes back to his insecurity with um, his birth circumstances and the amount of hate that he had in his heart, which I think is going something that you can probably see happening in the next season is going to be him similar to how. Goshi and Haru have realized that what matters is the, the character of the person that they're dealing with. For example, for like in Haru's situation, I think Haru mentioned that never she feels like she's an equal to someone it's when she's in bed with them, which is why she's so driven to, to sleep with these people because it's, the, it's one of the few opportunities where like both parties are very um, open and, and vulnerable. And they show a lot of, um, a lot of their... Uh, insecurities to one another she feels at that point that they're more equal to one another which is i i, I it's a crazy how she said it because i was like oh wait that's like that's really that's really deep i can see why she she would do what she does of course the other thing i want to mention is that this whole mentally the woman mentally strong thing really goes back to it. something else my sister mentioned is that um it goes back it's uh she meant that it goes back into like this whole hispanic culture thing for mexico it's that as as time goes by, the role, the male dominant role switches. It's like once once the boys like grow up, who they end up listening to turns out to be more of the mother. And as 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 they make sure it's like mother of them has a higher has a higher impact in their decisions and their like and their effective um in their life going forward. Like for example, I think this also applies to more general. Like if the mother doesn't like the wife, it's like probably not gonna happen. But the other case is that even as this goes on, the the father in the road like takes more of a backseat and effectively he re he retires almost. And this is really interesting because I mentioned that my that like my mom is really misogynist and my my sister mentioned that she always respected my like my grandma because she was the only one who like stood stood up against my mother. And she really loved being that. Which is why she was pretty like turned up when, when my grandma died because out of every time when she wanted to stand up against my mother, the only the only woman that she ever saw do that was effectively, you know, our grandma. Which is, which I go back to these like pivotal moments when it goes back when Haru mentioned that one of her prime memories is gonna be this boy Legoshi eating in front of her. I think my sister makes it pretty clear that one of her memories is seeing her own grandma stand up to her mother, which in her eyes she has like a lot of unresolved issues with my with my mother but being able to see that there's like still motherly figures out there who don't reflect her experience says a lot for her hope as like because it goes because her being born as a woman it goes back to how she sees her body too 
she sees that the only the only woman or motherly figure is what she experienced. So she's she she's actually shared with me that she's afraid to become a mother only because she's afraid that if she ends up having kids that they can end up resenting her for something that she did. She can't change because in the end of the day she doesn't understand what she might do something wrong for her kid. She might get a good vague idea of like because she has sympathy and empathy, right? But even when even when a parent provides a lot of love for their for their kid, the love itself can be suffocating, especially when it comes to support. When you get support from a parent, there's always a chance that the kid feels like they failed meeting those expectations. The parent didn't do anything wrong, effectively. Like they didn't they didn't abuse them or anything like that, but they just fed them with a amount of love that they just never thought they deserved, which goes and ends up messing with their own sense of cognitive dissonance. So it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing when it comes to being parents. And something else that hasn't been mentioned, but I'm going to briefly describe, briefly mention this is that parents will play, a, it, seems, it feels like from what I'm currently reading, it's like parent figures are going to play a big role or like a role in some future arcs. Because are you familiar with the, with the best, with the Lavender? The Lavender Retrieval? Or the best friend of the Goshi? Oh, the lab? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that guy. He mentions briefly, he's like, Legoshi, why don't you go back and visit your grandpa? He's probably sad that you're not there. And then he says, he's like, he's probably mad. And then it's, I don't know, it's briefly mentioned that Legoshi, his parent figures is his grandpa. So that makes it sound like his two parents are out of the picture. It's probably something going to happen later on with parent figures. I mean, you mentioned Lewis, for example, right? He has a, he was adopted by this conglomerate deer and he has high standards and high expectations for the goat, for um, Lewis. I'm going to. I'm, I'm looking forward to see what they do with it. Yeah, for sure. The other thing, I think Juno. I don't have a lot to say about her right now, except that I feel like she hasn't challenged her own perception of reality yet. Um, Lois, I feel like he's currently very simple because he only sees hate in his heart when it comes to carnivores. And then the thematic relationship between Haru and Legoshi, which I personally feel isn't going to work out because they're physically incompatible which is very important when it comes to relations, but I do think that they're effectively them meeting this almost, I mean, it was predestined by the author, but it feels like without without, their, without them meeting, they wouldn't be able to progress from the point that they are right now. I kind of disagree. I think, I think I could see them working out. And I think, I think that would be the positive ending. Um, I also, I also could see Juno not with Lugosi, but with Lewis, because I think they contrast each other extremely well. So I think I think in theory it could work. It's just about how they go about doing it, right? Because I think in the first season we see this build up and we see like everything that's happened. I feel like I've mentioned everything of what I think about those two and their relationship in previously in the episode, but to sum it up, I do think that they are very, very good together emotionally. And physically, yeah, like, I don't, like, it'll be very weird to see how it kind of goes down. But I think, like, that will come second in terms of the story. Like, I think there's still more to be expanded on. And I think we're going to get that before we see them, like, go at it together and become a couple. So... It's gonna be interesting to see, but I I personally see them together. I think because like they're, they're both their characters kind of emphasize this resolve of 
being independent of the crowd and being like it's almost like being enlightened right like like in philosophy like philosophical enlightenment like they realize like they kind of like are self-understanding to a lot of extent um i think that's happening more and more with those two characters so i i I personally do think that they will be independent of each other um or they will get together at some point i just don't know when because it all depends on how this all goes down in season two and i haven't read the manga so i can't speak to that but yeah i get you i just uh, i don't the whole physically compatible thing i think it might be a good point to mention because like for the success of a relationship that like in my opinion i think it needs to i think um and it just i i don't think it's it's a bad ending they just don't end up together i think if anything that's more of the good ending rather that they were like in their lives and they influence their life dramatically to make them the persons that they were and i think it goes into the theme of like this mono nowhere thing which is like the conscious awareness of impermanence that things don't remain constant and it's it's another theme that i see within this show especially because of their age because they're, they're they're young they're 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 going through changes and like they're they're learning more about themselves and not only about themselves but Goshi effectively is a guy who effectively almost didn't believe or was ignorant or chose to be ignorant of racism in the universe he's a carnivore yeah and he understands how they kind of see him but he still just does things that he wants to do everyone considers him a weirdo for that like, for example i remember i know with him at the apaka and currently in the manga Goshi had a random memory of when he asked him hey how soft is your fur right yeah. and then when you're looking at that context right it's a carnivore asking a herbivore how soft are you and it's like you would be terrified of that if you were tem and this in that moment tem says it's pretty soft and i think the Goshi also the reason he asked wasn't like he didn't ask how soft it was he asked What's the difference between your, your fur and like a sheep's fur? Then Tem was like, oh, it's soft, softer. I mean, you can try it and feel it. So like, and Tem allowed the Goshi to just feel his fur. And in, and in his memory, it turns out that his that the part that he felt his fur was like right on his neck. Mm-hmm. Let's go to show it that like Goshi did not see that for how dangerous or like how, how much how much confidence Tem needed to have in the Goji to allow him to do that to his own body. I think I think he's a really innocent character. It's definitely innocent. Like he 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 in his heart, just seeing that he exists makes you realize that it's possible for people to reach a certain level of um understanding with one another. Yeah. Which I Which like is, yeah, it's 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 exceptionally respectable. I mean, in the end of the day, that that makes him an enemy to people because they see him as ignorant, and they could see him at least as ignorant and almost insensitive, actually. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think, like in some cases, he's very blunt with what he wants, but in a lot of ways, I think he's very innocent because he doesn't like. In the beginning, at least, he didn't have those experiences until the end, but then by the end, he kind of, like, grew to understand it a lot more. I think that's another thing that makes Lugosi so great, and I think his his connections with all these different characters make him, like, really special. 
I think every character in Beastars are honestly like all the main characters at least are very good. Even like when we saw like those carnivores and like the way they acted with like I remember one scene that I was personally extremely uncomfortable by where they go into the black market and then he was talking about like this the lion was like he was saying some really really weird stuff and uh I was like yeah but like then the way the way they're portrayed I think is just so interesting because the it's really like you see you do see the differences and you see how drawn out they are but at the same time you do see that like it's not the case all the time like there is there is fundamentally like some good in these people or these characters it's just that these that, that good is being constantly repressed due to societal norms and expectations and i think and so to me b stars more than just focusing on these characters b stars as a whole is and this is i mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast and i feel like this is a good way to like for me to kind of close out my thoughts on b stars uh, before I get into one more thing I want to talk about, but this is regarding Studio Orange, is is really that for me, like B Stars is all about that, like cause of society in terms of like not only how we view ourselves, but how like societal pressure, norms, and ideals are really imposing on everyone, and like how they kind of like force us to change our narrative and our story based on like everything that happens. Even though, like, and it doesn't let us, like, really, truly think for ourselves. And this, like, progressive kind of, like, ideal is lost. I feel like right now, in terms of our current political climate, we've definitely been moving towards that more progressive notion. We're seeing all, everything, and I'm talking about America right now. We're seeing a lot more things as they are. As I said earlier, this is, I was going to get into a little bit of politics here. And I was going to get into a little bit of, um, like, some of the racial tensions. That are going on in America right now, because I think, or all over the world for that matter, because I think that they're very relevant and they call, and they're a huge callback to B stars, because I think B stars kind of emphasizes not only this racial divide, but also this like societal pressure, the class system, the uh, caste, like class and caste system for that matter, uh, the this notion of like the superiority complex, this god god complex, this like this this will to be free almost. I think is what each and every person, not only in Beastars, but in current society are trying to find, this will to be free. And I think in Beastars, it kind of really emphasizes that. And it kind of like brings up this topic of like, what does it mean to be free? And then like, what do you have to do to get there? What do you have to do to break societal norms in order for you to find yourself? And like, how does this self-realization play into this, like growing as a person? And I think that's what Beastars is all about. And that's why I personally love this show so much and why I hammered you, Francisco, to watch it so much and why I hammer so many people to watch it so much. Because I think, like, I, I know that, like, every time people talk, like, I talk about it with people, they're like, oh, that's that furry anime. I'm like, and like, and then they joke about it. I'm like, bro, like, yeah, sure. But, like, it's not, it's not really what it is. Like, to me, Beastars is a call on society. It really is. And it, it, it's just a direct parallel to America right now in a lot of ways. and. I'll buy significantly more so. Like it's not a direct parallel. I think that's a that that's a bad choice of words. I think it's a very accentuated, very like dr- like drawn out, like deep dive kind of a parallel. Like I definitely think the world of B stars is a lot more extreme, but I do think that like a lot of those themes 
are still prevalent in today's society. And so I think it's very interesting to tackle B-stars from that kind of perspective. And that's why I think, that's what I can be, what makes B-stars so special. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think B-stars is an incredible anime. Honestly, like, the only reason it's not in my, like, top five favorites is because um, it's definitely my top ten. But it's, it, the only reason it's not my top five because, it, like, it didn't hit me as hard as my other five. But, like, B-stars is arguably, I think, the greatest anime in 2019 and one of the greatest, like, best anime hands-down to come out in the last, like, five, five, at least five years. Um, I, I, I have very high praise for it. I think it's very good. Um, and I, and like that, I mean, those are my closing thoughts on Beastars. And I think it like going, just briefly going on a separate side note, I think that's what makes Studio Orange so special and why they're one of my favorite animation studios right now. Like their IPs are all original. They're really good. They're really hard hitting. But more than that, they tackle these t- these concepts and these topics that I don't think a lot of animation studios really tackle that well. More so, I don't think that the kind of anime they're like they're doing is not very like like it's not in a lot of mainstream stuff. Like I don't see Mappa doing what like Studio Studio Orange did with like B Stars and Land of Lust. So I have a lot of respect for Studio Orange for the not only the fact that they made Beastars um, and Land of the Lust, which is one of my top five favorite anime of all time, but the fact that the way that Studio Orange, the animated Beastars, the extremely unique animation, the extremely unique opening sequence, like the opening sequence animation, like beautiful, beautiful show, like hands down, the animation just kills it. And so like, like huge props to Studio Orange for this. Like, like literally, like, like I, I, I love Studio Orange, and in my opinion, they killed it with B Stars. So, I um have a lot of respect for them, and I think I and more so kudos to them for tackling these really, really hard to talk about concepts. I think the fact that they can do that in shows like B Star and Man of Lust shows how much potential and how much growth that Studio Orange is going to have in the future. And I, I definitely feel like Studio Orange is one of those studios that I think people should be start, starting to look out for because they're, they're going to make their name real soon. Or they're good. Like, I think they already have, but it's more so like they're going to blow up really soon. And I'm really excited to see what else they come up with. So a lot of praise for them as well. Yeah, I think we should definitely um, also respect Paru Itadaki, which is the actual mangaka who... Oh, yeah. Made- fantastic. She, she, she. She, she, oh, it, is a, it is a girl, that's right. Daughter of the guy who wrote Baki the Grappler. We mentioned this briefly, but it, it always amazes me how both it just like runs in the family. Yeah. Very unique stories, both of them. Baki the Grappler going on for God, so many years now. 20, definitely. I mean, I'm not too familiar with it. I read it recently and I even skipped the first part because I was like, I don't want to see a 12 year old or whatever. My cousin recommended it to me a couple of years back and I eventually got around to, you know, actually reading it. And then I learned offhandedly that the person who wrote Beastars is the daughter of the guy who wrote Baki. Crazy stuff. Yeah. When you look on Beastars author, one of the pictures is her with her dad. 
Like, and she has a picture of, she has a chicken helmet. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, it's great stuff. But yeah, definitely to her for actually tackling these kind of um, it's it's crazy, right? The society in Beastars, I think it's even more complex than the one of the one that we have currently. Not saying that ours isn't complex. If anything, ours is insanely phenomenal. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is that the the she took animals and then she anthropomorphized them and then she just she just. She, she, it did what she did, right? It's like she took one of a simple ecological concept, like the trophic level thing that I mentioned. Like since carnivores are, are above in the trophic levels, they represent 10% of the population of a herbivore, so they're effectively the minority. But whenever you think of the food chain, they're the ones that eat the lower trophic levels. So they're both oppressed, but yet have the most uh, well, physically powerful, right? Because you can eat them when they have like these jaw levels. I think one, in one of the episodes, Legoshi, when he angered one of the, um, I think it was when it was when Lois kicked kicked one kicked the carnivore's replacement for timeout, and I forget what he was, but it was like a smaller carnivore, and then he um, he pissed off like no, Legoshi pissed him off, and then he was gonna start having a fight. And one of the first things that Legoshi thought was he was analyzing. The stats of carnivore and he said okay how can i make it look that he won but realistically right and, so, and then he thought about it he's like okay well i have a stronger job pressure than he does my grip's better than him i run faster than him. holy crap i beat this guy in almost every stat what am i gonna do his his, his conclusion was that he was gonna drop he was gonna drop a penny or something and then reach out for it and then he was gonna lose because he was um unaware but fortunately that didn't happen but the fact that um the fact that he needed to go through that really tells you a lot that he's also still conscious of like how he needs what he needs to do to make himself look weak. It goes back to your uh, toxic, 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 toxic masculinity thing. I don't know. I really like Beastars. Uh, it's a very, the we're building behind it is insane. It has a bunch of these unique aspects going to it. I hear it gets super natural later on, which is interesting, right? You think it's already crazy enough, but the it's one of those situations where the ambition of the author. I'd have gotten the better, the better of them. Nonetheless, um, I'm excited to see what happens, especially because it already finished. The 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 thing done, so nothing stopping Studio Orange from fully adapting the source material. Yeah, that's true. I think that's it, man. Yeah, I, I, have, okay. I have no other words. Fantastic anime. I am so 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 excited for season two. Um. In fact, I think I'm, yeah, I might rewatch season one before I, before season two comes out, like right before, but Beastars is incredible, and I would recommend it for everyone. Um, yeah, I, I have no, nothing, I honestly, like, I feel like there's always, like, one, like, nitpicky thing I might have, but in the case of Beastars, I genuinely do not. There's nothing that I think is just bad, or, like, there are stuff that's off-putting, but I feel like it's overshadowed by how good the anime is. So, and as someone who is like very squeamish and very uncomfortable with certain things, like that says a lot. So I would recommend Beastars wholeheartedly. I think everyone should watch it. I think it's so good. Um, but yeah, that's all, that's all I got to say too. Yeah, so, um, my favorite episode is episode seven, by the way, just, just randomly. <laughs>
episode seven. I don't remember exactly what happened in episode seven, but. I mean, it didn't make me tear up anything, but I just thought this is unique. I like it. Mm-hmm. I think now we can talk about like what we're, what we're watching. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's see. Uh, whew, that, was a, that was a really good episode. This week, I think, so as of late, I've been watching, um, I'm, I'm, only watching I'm only watching seasonal stuff just because it's over the school year, so it's really hard for me to like sit down and watch an entire season of an anime, but I've been watching uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, which has been really good. I really, really like it. It's honestly like the anime I think I look forward to the most right now, so would recommend, other than Haikyuu. I watch Haikyuu. I'm watching Higurashi. I have some very mixed opinions on Higurashi. I, I don't understand it at all, but it's whatever. Um, I'm also watching uh, Tony Kawa. <laughs> I love that anime. It's That one is more like romantic comedy, so like I like it a lot. I think it's very fun. It's a really good anime to watch, like just casually just chilling because it's really funny and really stupid, but I have a good time with it. Um, and then I'm watching The Mandalorian. It's not an anime. Very good. Second season, they've been killing it. So, like, obviously, just, you know, gotta mention it. Um, there are a lot of anime that I will be watching soon, though. Um, in fact, once Thanksgiving break hits, then I do plan to watch. There's a few that I have on my list that I don't remember that I have to write to myself. But um, I know one of them is Angel Beats, and at some point I'll be watching that. Clannad is another one that I'm pretty interested in watching. Um, so some some older stuff for sure. But um, I have to... And then a few stuff from um, QAnny so I can wrap up watching everything from QAnny. Um, and K-On. K-On is another one. Um, but there's, there's, there's definitely a few that I have on my list that I want to get through. So that's like... that's Oh, and I'm reading Soul Leveling and One Piece, but I need to read more manga and um webtoons and i will be hopefully soon because i have a good amount on my list for that as well so like you mentioned angel beats right guy who made angel beats effectively uh june maeda is currently another anime that he's involved with the day i became god is airing currently oh yeah i know about that i've heard it's really good yeah, it's, it's because it comes from this dude. This dude loves... I mean, once you read Angel Beats, or watch Angel Beats, I mean, you understand the kind of kind of stories he likes going for. Mm-hmm. And the day I became guy, it's just, it's just a ticking time bomb. Oh, for sure. That's interesting. Uh, I think, for me, I, I actually, I ended up watching a Studio period on Akudama Drive, because it's very aesthetic, and it's a lot of fun. Super action. I love it. Mm-hmm. I like to make a it's a it's an original right so it's gonna air 12 episodes and then be done and it's gonna be a self-contained story now it'd be cool if you could watch it and we can talk about it we haven't really discussed the next the next episode i think we're leaning on vietnam saga but who knows no no promises no yeah yeah was that all you're watching that, that's yeah i'm not i'm not just i mean yeah <laughs> i have some other random stuff but it's nothing Worth mentioning, in my opinion. Yep. I, okay, I, I think I did. I mention this. Okay, the author of Reborn, right? I think her name is Akira something. Let me look it up. Point is, so she has another manga going. 
currently being published, and it's about a detective, and she is the expert at drawing very cute boys. And mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of fun. Drawing very cute anime boys. Yeah, Akira Amano. He's also the key designer when it comes to the um, set anime about the guns and the or rather psychopaths. She's the original character designer for psychopaths. Oh, actually, that's kind of cool. Yeah, she, she's she's pretty good. That's it. That's it. Nothing else impressive. I mean, yeah, nothing else. Impressive. Nothing. Nothing else worth mentioning. I got you. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, this anime season, uh, it's been decent. Nothing, honestly, I just feel like there's nothing bit, for me personally, there's nothing, there's nothing that's, like, just really standing out. I think 2019 was such a good year for anime. It was kind of crazy. This year is, like, eh, it's okay. I feel like next year will be really good, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but, yeah, um, once more stuff for winter season starts coming out, we'll have more updates for you guys there, I know. There's a few that I really wanted to watch that got pushed to winter, so I'm excited to share that with you guys. But otherwise, I think that's it on for both of us. Yes. Okay, sweet. Um, as a like a shout out, really quick, a few things before we close up. Um, make sure to if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or anything that you have like uh, problems with or anything you want us to talk about. Um, please email us at hubanime63 at gmail.com. Um, again, it's hubanime63 at gmail.com. If you guys would like to just shoot us an email about anything you guys want us to talk about, or if you guys want to like do anything about that, like please let us know. On top of that, um, if you guys want to be included in the show too, or if you have some good ideas, please email us. We'd love to chat and see if we can get something going there. Um, and then other than that, uh, a One Piece has been on a weird release schedule. I'm really sorry about that. Um, recently, Oda got sick. So he wasn't, he, like the chapters aren't coming out like in a, in a, they're coming out really weirdly because you have chapters that don't really have like anything, but then you have chapters that have a lot, but then it's like weirdly stagnant. So I think we'll, Francisco and I will discuss it um, over this coming week whether to like um like how to get that back on track but we'll have that back on track uh pretty soon i hope my i mean i want to share right now i think my personal opinion is we let let that act three finish and then we do an entire episode with act three okay that's fine do that as well that'll be a while that'll be a long time but... i think i think it's at the end of 2020 this guy's close to finishing act three oda i mean okay uh, in that case, yeah, we'll we'll then in that case we'll probably just wait it out. Um, so definitely keep your eyes out for that. And then our last uh, piece of advice is we're gonna try to go on YouTube pretty soon. So we'll have our we'll be uploading each episode from the beginning. So for those new viewers or viewers who came in a little later who want to listen to like say our first ever episode of Demon Slayer, uh, we'll have that. We'll try to get that on YouTube. So we'll try to have it within the next month or two. So please keep your eyes out for that. As soon as we get it up, we'll announce it. And as usual, um, stay safe. Hope you guys are doing well. And yeah, that's all we got.